Well, if you are a guest with us today, things are a little bit different in our worship service. We're going to get right into the passage at this time. Typically, we sing more songs, but today is a special Sunday for us. So we have begun a study through the book of Galatians. We started that last week. And so if you have your Bible with you, if you have your device with you, turn with me to the first chapter of the book of Galatians. And just a reminder, we have a companion through our series this fall, and these are uh, right out front. You can grab one of these. We have multiple small groups that are meeting and working through the book of Galatians as our sermon series goes through this book as well. If you're interested in joining a small group, uh, there's a, a place out on the bulletin board where you can sign up. I think there's at least one, maybe two groups that have space. It'd be awesome if you could join them. Because we try to be just Scripture-focused, I think it's good for us just to begin with the Scripture. So let's look at Galatians 1, beginning in verse 11. Paul is writing to these churches in this region of Galatia, and he says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it. From any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But When he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw no one of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the region of Syria and Sicilia. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Our King, we thank you for this magnificent gospel message that you have preserved for us all these centuries. We see it protected here in the book of Galatians, and we thank you for the grace you've given to us, many in this room, to receive it. And our lives have been completely changed and are still being changed. Now, as we reflect on one man's testimony, We pray that this would drive us to consider our own testimony or whether we have a testimony. Now I pray for you to be honored in not only the reading, now teaching of your word. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. I don't know how many of you had an upbringing similar to mine. I grew up in Wisconsin and Minnesota. Our families moved frequently. And because my mom had horses... Well, that meant we would never live in the city. We were always searching for a nice country home, often like an old farmhouse that needed to be updated. 
It was not unusual for us to go into that farm home and see some carpet and think to ourselves, wow, this smells, this is dirty, and this is dusty, and it needs to be replaced. And so we would peel back the carpet and find out that there was limonium flooring there. And I thought, oh man, here we go again. And so you, you peel that back and you find out, actually, there's some really good, solid hardwood floors here. And if you're willing to sweat and do the hard work, you can peel up the carpet, the linoleum, and get to that hardwood floor, which would be some labor of sanding it down and, and putting a, providing a finish on it. What took place there? At one time, there was this very solid floor that looked the part. It was really nice. But over the years, layers had been added to it. And it took a lot of hard work to get back to the original state. Last week, if you were with us in the book of Galatians, we were reminded of the story of Paul, the founding pastor, going into this area of Galatia and presenting a simple gospel message that in order to be forgiven of one's rebellion, one's defiance, and the judgment of God on their lives, they needed to believe that Jesus died for their sins and was raised to life. Believe only in this. But in the days, weeks, and months to pass, as new people began to enter into these churches in Galatia, as Paul left, there were new layers added to that simple gospel message. It wasn't that they were contradicting that a person needed to believe in Jesus What they were saying is, yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but you also must be circumcised or obey the Old Testament law. This is what you must do in order to be forgiven of your sins. And So what Paul was doing and what he will do throughout this book of Galatians is he will say, we need to peel back the layers and we need to get back to the original simple gospel message. Now, there's some questions that have arisen here. These opponents of Paul in the church might be asking themselves, Paul, who are you to think that you have the corner on the truth? Likely, you got your message from some old dusty library where you studied it for years and you said, this is my version of the gospel. So what Paul does in the second half of Galatians 1 is he says, let me tell you where I received my gospel. Look again here what it says in verses 11 and 12 of Galatians 1. He said, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Listen to this. But I received it through our revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's the whole point. The whole point of our message today is that the message, this good news that Paul received was given directly from Jesus. Now that's a bold statement. Everyone in this room heard the gospel from a man or a woman. What Jesus is saying is, I heard it directly from Christ. This message is entitled, Paul's Testimony. Because that's exactly what he does. He offers his testimony. What is a testimony? A testimony is just simply your story 
of how you came to faith in Christ. And the way we coach it here at Highland Crest is the same way that we see it in this outline of Galatians 1 of of three different chapters of your story. The first is this. What was your life like before Christ came into your life? Secondly is, what was your life like when Christ entered your life? And then finally, what has your life been like after Christ entered your life? And that's the outline of this second half of Galatians chapter 1. So let's look first, Paul's life before Jesus. Look again at verses 13 and 14. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism and how I persecuted the church of God violently and and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. Among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Sometimes when you hear someone share their story of how they became a Christian, particularly if it's a celebrity, it often has a familiar pattern. I began in some humble beginnings. I had a particular skill or trade that I worked very hard at, and and I got a break along the way, and suddenly I became very famous, successful, and as a result, inherited a whole bunch of fame and fortune and pleasures that turned to vices and drugs and alcohol abuse, and sometimes it led me to my imprisonment, and then I crashed. And then suddenly I looked up and I realized that I was missing peace and I was looking for Christ. And he found me right where I was at. And he has changed my life forever. And if that's your testimony, praise the Lord for that. However, that's not Paul's testimony. Ironically, what Paul would say is that he was deeply moral and religious. You see what it says there in verse 14. He says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my age. What that meant was he was very religious and he was very good at his religion. Likely, he had large portions of the Old Testament committed to memory. Not only this, but he worked very hard at obeying the Scriptures. He knew the mad-made laws that were added to the Scriptures like what he could do and what he couldn't do on the Sabbath, something called ceremonial washing. He knew the festivals and the traditions, and and he did his best to keep them. We learn in other passages in the New Testament that he studied under a very prestigious professor named Gamil. And it was there where he would have learned how to make arguments and to support those arguments, that he would have been very skilled at debating and providing persuasive arguments. Verse 14 tells us that he was extremely zealous. So he not only had this head knowledge, but he was very passionate about keeping his religion. Paul is making it very clear that he was not always on this path of following Jesus. In fact, he was on the opposite path. He was persecuting those who were followers of Jesus. Look what it says in verse 13. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And this is what it says in other places in the New Testament. In Acts 8, verse 3, it said, Saul was ravaging the church 
And entering the house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. In Acts 9, it says, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus. So if he had found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Here's the point. Paul was not searching for a new truth. He was attempting to stomp out the truth of Jesus and his death and his resurrection. So there is Paul's life before Christ. Now let's consider Paul's life when he met Christ. Look again at verse 15 and the first half of verse 16. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me. The first thing we see here in his journey to become a follower of Christ is that it began, listen to this, even before he was born. It's hard for us to believe this, but God is so big. He is so knowing. He is eternal that he is not bound by time that he knows the people that will respond to his grace. In the Bible, we read of people like Jeremiah and John the Baptist, who even before they were born, God had a purpose for. I got good news for you. Even before you were born, God knew all about the details of your life, and he has a purpose for you as well. And God is not wasting anything He is not wasting your path. Have you ever heard of C.S. Lewis? A great 20th century thinker. When C.S. Lewis was an atheist, he studied under a professor by the name of Kirkpatrick. This Kirkpatrick was actually an atheist, and he was a furious debater. And he taught C.S. Lewis how to build a case and make strong arguments. And something remarkable happened to C.S., He became a follower of Jesus. And you know what he did? He took what he had learned from this atheist professor. He became the most skilled defender of the Christian faith in the 20th century. And the Apostle Paul would take what he had learned from Gamil and all the techniques of debating, and he would use that and apply it to defend the gospel. You see, it also says... In verse 15, who called me by his grace. As he is thinking about this journey to his relationship with Christ, it did not begin with Paul, but there was an invitation extended to him. And this invitation was not by his religion or by his morality, but it was only by the grace that was provided to him through the death of Jesus through his resurrection and this invitation that was called to have forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with Christ. Paul would later tell of the story in the 26th chapter of Acts to King Agrippa. Let me read this to you. Paul is saying to the king, One day I was out on such one of these persecuting missions to Damascus. I was armed with the authority and commission of the leading priest. And about noon, your majesty, I was on the road. A light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down 
And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord, I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. Now, get to your feet, for I have appeared to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell the people that you've seen me and tell them that I'll show you in the future. I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given to a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in him. So we see that Paul is now called not only to have his sins forgiven, but he enters into a relationship with Jesus. That's what it says there in verse 16. And I was pleased, and God was pleased to reveal his son to me. In summary, Paul was convicted by opposing Jesus. And despite his morality, despite his religion, Paul was still leading his own life. And he needed Jesus to confront him on a sin and his pride. There could be some here this morning that say, I'm a moral person. I'm a a religious person. But who is ruling your life? For Paul, he realized that he was. And he needed to turn his life over for Jesus to lead and rule him. And that leads to the final part of his testimony. It not only was what he was like before he met Christ. We've covered what happened when he met Christ. Now, thirdly, let's consider Paul's life after he met Jesus. You see it there in the second part of verse 16. He was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone. In the rest of this chapter, Paul will give a history of what took place in his life. The point that he is making is that I did not immediately consult with anyone. This gospel message was directly relayed to me from Jesus himself. And he'll go through his travel plans in verses 17 through really 24. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem. Those were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing you before God, I do not lie. Then I went up to the regions of Syria and Sicilia. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the way he once tried to destroy. Here is the point. At one time, Paul's mission was to extinguish the followers of Christ. Now that he met Christ, his life went in the opposite direction, that he now became an ambassador of Jesus, and he became a leader, an author, a a church planter and pastor of the churches of Christ. Paul's life was now about Jesus ruling it and sharing Jesus with everyone. 
This morning, you might not be a debater. You might not be an author or a church planter like Paul. But in the same way that he had a calling to share the message of Jesus with others, so do you and I. Let me just close then by offering a couple of thoughts for you to consider. Number one, do you have a testimony? This morning we've reflected on Paul's testimony, what it was like before he met Jesus, what it looked like when he met Jesus, and how his life changed after he met Jesus. Where are you at in that journey? Are you in that pursuit right now of seeking truth? If you are, I am so glad that you're here. It's so important for you to read the Scriptures, to be under the preaching of God's Word. He speaks to us through His Word. May you enter into a relationship with Him, and it's only possible by placing your faith in what Jesus has done for you. He died on the cross for your sins. He raised the life three days later. Depend entirely on what He has done for you. Secondly, another thought for you is we see the value of sharing your testimony. We see Paul share it here in Galatians, but we see him do it in two different times in the book of Acts. It's as if he was always ready to share his testimony. And what is a testimony but your story of how you came to faith in Christ and how you are different as a result of it? When we enter into conversations with one another, we love to share stories. And it's so natural for us to say, would it be okay if I just shared with you my story? On Friday, I was fishing in one of the area tributaries for the salmon run, and there was a couple of young guys that came, and I could tell by the tackle that they were using that they were not accustomed to catching fish in that location. So I, I said, can I, can I, here, use some of this tackle, and here, show, let me show you how you fish here, fish this hole. And, and I got into a conversation with them, and then as I was reflecting on this passage in Galatians 1, it was as if the Spirit was saying, well, why don't you share your story with them? And I said, man, would it be all right if I just shared with you my story? They were around the same age as when I came to faith in Christ. And I said, if it's all right with you, let me just share my story of how I met Jesus and the impact he has had in my life. And you know what they did when I was done? They said, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that story. Now, I was very intentional about sharing the components of the gospel in my story. And you can do that as well. And then thirdly, here's another thought that we'll conclude with, and that is just to share Jesus. What we see in this passage is that when Paul got right with God, that led him to say, then I must share this message of Jesus with others. And we see that pattern in his life. Now, fortunately for us today, we don't have to wait for an application. We can do that immediately right after this message by by engaging some way or another, by taking these gospel tracts, these game day rosters, and handing them out. Now, I don't know what will happen with that, but I imagine there's going to be thousands of people that are on their way to the game today that were like Paul in that they were heading in the wrong direction. They were not pursuing Christ, but they're going to find out today that Christ is pursuing them, and He loves them. They thought they were just going to go to a... a, a football game, but they're going to be handed a gospel track where they're going to have an opportunity to think more and more about this Jesus. Could it be in the thousands of tracks that are handed out today 
that years from now, someone was going to say, you know, I was on my way to a game. And Christ was the farthest thing from my mind, but there was a little girl that handed me this, what I thought was a roster. And I flipped it over, and there was a message there about Jesus. And you know, I never, I never forgot that. Could it be that there will be another person that sometime in, in the future will reflect back on today and say, you know, I, I remember a time in my life where I was going through a lot of challenges. And for the first time in my life, I was asking, is there a God? Who is this Christ? And there was a co-worker. There was a neighbor. There was a relative that were sharing with me about Jesus. And then I went to a Packer game. And I received a gospel track. And it was just another reminder that Jesus cares, that he is present. And God used that, among other things in my life, to bring me to faith in Christ. Now, we're not responsible for what they do with those tracks. But we are responsible to go out and share the good news. Today, we're doing it in this way. Last night, as we finished supper, one of my boys came out with two different cups, cups of dirt. And he comes up to me and he says, look at Dad, and these cups of dirt, a little while ago, I put seeds in both of them. And one of them, look, nothing is growing. But Dad, look at this other one, and there's a plant that has sprouted up. Now, we don't know which ones are going to sprout up today, but our responsibility is to go out and by faith plant a whole bunch of gospel seeds. And we'll just trust the Lord that he will send people to come and water and then he will bring the increase of it. So let's participate today by the grace of God boldly in sharing the gospel. Would you pray with me and let's just have our music team come up. Let us just reflect on turning our eyes to Jesus. Father, as we look at this passage again today, we see a testimony. We see a man, and he is a famous man. But let us not be intimidated by this. Let us go back to that simple gospel message that we are saved by grace through faith. We may not have the resume of Paul, but you are calling each of us to share the gospel of those of us who are saved. And you are extending this invitation to anyone and all that they would, they would receive that calling, calling to a relationship with Christ. This morning, if, if this is news to you and you're, you're on that quest of searching for truth, what the Bible tells us is that all of us if are defiant, we're rebellious. We don't need to try harder or study more. What we really need is to receive the gift that God has provided through Jesus on the cross for you. He was raised to life and just place all of your dependence, your hope, and say, I receive that gift. And then look for a new change in your life. And read your scriptures, which we are saved by grace alone, by faith alone. And those of us that are have been saved, we reflect on the testimony that we have, and may we, even today, be able to share that testimony with others. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.